Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. Hey, good morning, Southbridge family, and to all of you that are, are tuning in with us, uh, wherever you may be this morning, thank you for being here. I hope that you've checked in um, as we've announced kind of through our, our texting and various means, but it is just great to be here together to continue to study the Word of God uh, Pastor Scott started the series through Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God, and we're going to continue there this morning. So I urge you to grab your Bible, uh, along with some notes, uh, maybe the small group study guide, fill in a few blanks, uh, get ready for some discussion with your small group as we continue to unpack what it means to live as a child of God, putting on the armor every day, learning to defeat the enemy. So we're going to continue this morning in Ephesians 6. We're just going to jump right into it. Ephesians chapter 6, just to kind of set us back up a a little bit, let me begin reading in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. As Paul is writing, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. One of the quotes that Pastor Scott shared a couple of weeks ago from a great pastor that I've loved for a number of years, Warren Worsby, uh, he simply said, sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. The more we desire to walk in intimacy with Christ and and fulfill the purpose for which He's called us, we begin to be attacked. Therefore, the armor of God becomes critical for the life of a believer who wants to live in the power of Jesus, who really wants to be effective and fulfill the purpose. Is that you this morning? I mean, do you truly desire to fulfill the purpose for which God has called you? Well, we've already looked, as Pastor Scott has unpacked, what it is to put on the belt of truth and to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, as we talked about last week, to to extinguish all the flaming darts that come at us. You know, it seems like the more I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, the more of those flaming darts begin to get attacked. It's kind of like the football, right, illustration of uh, the only guy that you can tackle is the guy with the ball. Um, he's the only threat, uh, same in, in really basketball, right? The guy with the ball is the guy that's the threat to score. And so as children of God, when we really become a threat, Satan begins to attack us. And so this morning, we want to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that Paul tells us right there in verse 17. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now again, Paul's hearers, those that were listening to him and reading this letter, would have clearly understood the the sword that Paul was talking about. There's lots of swords out there. Uh, Just get online and look for swords. There's all sorts of swords, but uh, Paul is specifically, we believe, referring to the Roman short sword. 
uh, was, it was intended more for personal batter, for close encounters. This makes this a very personal, personal uh, arsenal to the believer uh, because we do daily battle with the enemy. Now, we fight together. That's the idea of locking our shields of faith, right? These, these large shields that we lock our shields and we stand together, but we fight individually and we fight for one another. And so when you think about that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Paul is saying, look, this is a, a personal, this is for close encounters for you to understand. And, and I've discovered that every day Satan fires darts of fear. He fires darts of discouragement, doubt, inferiority, distraction at you and I as believers. But God's constant message for, for you and I is peace, it's strength, it's, it's hope that's found in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have this confidence through the Word of God. So Paul has already addressed this a little bit, helping us understand what the Spirit does for us because the Word of God, which is uh, the sword of the Spirit, it's the Spirit who wields the, the Word of God, the sword on our behalf because He's the one that's giving us wisdom. He's the one that's giving us understanding. Paul, earlier in the book in Ephesians chapter 1, listen to what Paul says, picking up in verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. See, Paul's already addressed the idea of the power of the Holy Spirit in us who is bestowing and imparting wisdom on our behalf. I love the word that he uses here because he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. The Greek word there is photizo, and it literally means to shine light on something. And so I want to just unpack that for a moment because to wield the sword of the Spirit we must allow the Spirit to do some things in our life. And the first thing that we need to allow the Spirit to do in our life is to illuminate His truth in us. That, that's that word, enlighten, right? To shine light on something. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's truth in my life. How does He do that? Well, illumination is simply letting the Holy Spirit show me the meaning of God's Word, and how it applies to my life. When I, when I begin to read the Word of God, it's not simply for the sake of reading. And sometimes that's the way we approach our Bible reading. Well, I need to get through a chapter, or I need to get through this. Instead of slowly just working it through and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate, to enlighten that truth, and to begin to teach me what that truth means and how I'm supposed to apply that to my life. And sometimes that's simply spending a moment asking the author of the book what he meant. See, that's the cool thing about the Bible. It's the only book that you can read and actually ask the author what he meant while you're reading it. 
as I read through the Word of God and I just stop or, or I ask certain questions of the text, you know, what, what is this text teaching me? What do I see in here? Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a new thought about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? Is there a command that I should obey? And as I read the Word of God and I'm asking the author of the book through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, enlighten me. Teach me what you want me to know and how that applies to my life. Read it slow. Read it methodically, not quickly. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit when we must allow Him to illuminate His truth to us. You see, before Jesus went back to heaven, after He had poured His life into His disciples, He gave us a clear picture of the Holy Spirit coming to continue to teach us and to continue to instruct us. Jesus told us in John chapter 14 and verse 26, He said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. And He will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He says in John 14 verse 17, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And then in John 16, beginning in verse 13, He says, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, and whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to continue to teach you all the things that I have uttered, all the things that God has spoken you ever have that moment when, when you're reading the Word of God? Maybe you're reading a verse, and it, it may be the 10th time or the 12th time or the 100th time you read that, but all of a sudden it's that aha moment. It's like, wow, I, I never understood that quite the way I understand it right here. That's illumination. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to teach you. And, and I believe part of that is just us being willing to listen. He's always willing to teach. We have families going back to school right now. Teachers are always willing to teach, but students are not always willing to learn, not always willing to listen. And teachers, you know what I'm talking about right now. They're, always, uh, they're, they're not always willing to, to mute themselves, right, right now in the classroom. Um, but listen, teachers are willing to teach. The Holy Spirit always wants to teach. He always wants to illuminate. We're not always ready to receive. And if we're going to wield the sword of the Spirit, we have to allow the Spirit to illuminate us. I love what Peter talks about when he's talking about uh, our relationship with God and His Word. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. I'm reading from the New International Version because I love the translation there that says crave. Crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, when we get a taste of the goodness of God, when we get a taste of, of the goodness of His Word, boy, we crave more. And we crave. See, to crave, in order to crave something, you have to know what it is that you desire. Chocolate. Now, you, you crave chocolate because you've had chocolate before, and, and you crave it. You desire that. For me, it's pizza. It's tacos. I crave these things because I've had them before, and I love them. And so I, I go after them. The Word of God is just like that. As we're growing in Christ, He says, just like newborn babies, we need to crave spiritual milk so that by it we will grow. 
When we learn to wield the sword of the Spirit, we are allowing the Spirit of God to illuminate us, to teach us through His Word. You long for it. You love it. You've had it before. I want more. I want to be filled with it um, to overflowing. If you've ever had that thought of saying, man, you know, I read my Bible, but I just, I don't get anything out of it. You need to learn to wield the sword of the Spirit and allow the Spirit to illuminate and to teach you. Because the attitude of the believer should be one of intimacy. It should be one of total dependence on Jesus Christ as we dive into His Word and allow Him to illuminate His truth so that we're ready to step on the battlefield. So we need to allow Him to illuminate His truth to us, but then we also need to allow the Holy Spirit to illustrate His truth in us. You see, as, as we begin to um, learn about the things of God, the Holy Spirit then takes that truth and He begins to shape us. He begins to uh, apply those things to our lives. Let me jump back to 1 Peter chapter 2, right? Like newborn babes crave spiritual milk so that, underline that, so that by it you may grow up. Some of us just need to grow up. We need to take the Word of God and apply it to our lives and begin to grow up. I have three wonderful children, and praise God, when they were born, it was such an exciting time, but I was excited to watch them grow and to begin to do the things that you're supposed to do as a child or as a preteen or as a teenager or as a young adult. And, and praise God, they have all moved out of my house and stopped eating my food, and they're, they're living a life that's honoring the Lord where they are, but they're doing exactly what they were born to do, exactly what they were created to do, and that was to grow up and, and move on and, and begin to multiply. Folks, listen, as children of God, we are to grow up. If I were just to ask you right now, just to assess your own spiritual growth and development, where are you in your own growth process? How long have you known Jesus Christ and have you grown up in Him? That's what Peter is saying. And, and when we allow the Holy Spirit to, to illustrate His truth in us, He's changing us, He's shaping us by the truth of His Word as He illuminates that truth in us. We begin to see God's life-changing work uh, his, his power in us. Uh, things begin to look different. Around here we call it spiritual transformation, right? Spiritual transformation, as I dive into God's Word, as His Spirit teaches me and illuminates His truth, He begins to illustrate that in my life by changing me from the inside out. My appetite is different. The things that I desire are different. The things that I want are different. The things that I pursue are different. Why? Because my life is falling in accordance with God's Word. I see the solution to my problems in Christ and His Word. I see the barrier to my spiritual progress because of God's truth and His Word. I see the defense for what's attacking me from Satan in the world because of the truth of His Word. I see how God is walking with me and comforting me because of the truth of His Word. And one evidence of, of spiritual life is a hunger for spiritual food, a desire to, to get to know the God who loves us through this love letter and teaches us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we say around here a lot is that spiritual transformation 
leads to gospel saturation. So if we're going to learn to wield the sword of the Spirit, we certainly have to understand what it means to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate His truth to us, to illustrate His truth in us. But see, that leads to an action. Now we step on the battlefield with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. With the shield of faith, with the sword of the Spirit, we step onto the battlefield and we allow the Holy Spirit to initiate His truth through us. He teaches us. He changes us. Now He begins to work through us. Let me jump back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Paul says, But you, verse 9, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, underline this, that you may declare the praises of of Him who called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. You see, as the Holy Spirit illuminates His truth to us, and He illustrates His truth in us through life transformation, spiritual transformation, He begins to work through us to a lost and dying world. We become activated. We then step onto the battlefield. We're no longer simply affiliated we are now activated into the army of God to uh, do the work that God has called us to do. You see, God's goal through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit in you and in me is not to make you smarter. Okay? The work of Christ is not simply to make you smarter. God's goal is not to make your life better or smoother, or problem-free, or worry-free. It's not simply to give you hope, and joy, and peace, and love, and many of the other wonderful attributes that we learn about in Scripture. But what Paul and Peter are driving home to us is that these are great byproducts of God's redeeming, illuminating work in your life and in my life, but His ultimate objective is to live gloriously through you and through me so that you and I may declare His praise to a lost and dying world. That's the battlefield that we step on every day. That's when we need to armor up and realize that we are in a battle to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is look at the world around us right now and realize we're in a difficult situation. And our world doesn't need better people. It needs people who are surrendered and wielding the sword of the Spirit, giving praise to God, impacting the people whose lives we step into each and every day. Why do you think you're being attacked? As a child of God, why, why do you think you're being attacked by the enemy? And why do you think you need the armor of God? You see, Satan wants to attack you, and he wants to render you and I ineffective for the cause of Christ. If you're not experiencing some of the, the flaming darts that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6 that Pastor Scott unpacked last week, if, if you're not experiencing some of those flaming darts, I would just challenge you, are you in the battle, right? If you're not pursuing righteousness and if you're not pursuing godliness, Satan's not coming after you. He's already rendered you ineffective for the cause of Christ. The more you seek to grow in him, the more he's going to come after you and he's going to attack you. And we need to learn the wield, the sword of the Spirit. God gloriously saves you, and He saves me so that you and I, right, can give Him praise. 
to, to honor Him so that He can gloriously really work through you to bring Him honor and to bring Him praise. God has removed you from darkness into His wonderful light so that you can be a light to a lost and dying world as He illuminates His truth in you, as He illustrates it and transforms you and then initiates that work through you. His desire and plan for your life is to use you for His honor and glory alone. And one of the flaming darts that we often deal with is, is our own distraction of thinking that somehow my life is really about me instead of understanding my life is for the glory of Jesus Christ. And everything I have belongs to Him. He's entrusted it to me, and, and I simply surrender to Him to allow Him to do what He desires. If you ever stop and think, what is Satan's plan? Well, Satan's plan is really pretty simple. Satan's plan is to keep you from God's plan. <laughs> That's it. Uh, he's scheming. He knows. He, he knows my weaknesses. He knows my desires. He knows exactly how to attack me, and I bet he knows exactly how to attack you as well. He, he knows those weaknesses. He knows where your shield is down. He knows where your belt of truth is not fastened up. He knows where your, your shoes of the gospel are not fastened and ready. He knows when you don't have your shield of faith up. He knows when you're not wielding the sword of the Spirit. He knows exactly how to attack us because His plan is simply to keep you and I from fulfilling God's plan, which is to what? To bring Him glory, to impact the lives of those around us with the sword of the Spirit, the shoes of the gospel, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. And so you may ask, well, what's in it for me? Well, I love uh, the great old preacher, D.L. Moody. And I love what he said one time. He said, he said the reward of service is more service. <laughs> you see, as we begin to grow in Christ, we begin to realize my life is not my own. My life belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and my life is simply to love God and to care for His people, right? To invest my life in others in service. Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So guess what? The joy of growing in Jesus Christ and learning to wield the sword of the Spirit and put on the armor and fight the battle for the cause of Jesus Christ, the, the, the reward we get for that is more service. More service. I've dealt with so many people through the years who get so frustrated and, man, somehow church is about them and I'm going to get blessed and I'm going to get this. and Well, I don't like my church anymore because, well, they're not meeting my needs. Well, listen. One of the things that I've discovered is that we learn to grow as Paul and, and Peter are pulling out of us right here as we are illuminated by the Spirit of God and as we begin to crave spiritual milk and, and we grow up in Christ, we begin to grow up realizing it's not about me. It's about God. It's about others. And, and we begin to step into the life of our church without the desire to, to meet my needs but we begin to step onto the campus of our church and into the homes of our small groups and into our community realizing it's not about meeting my needs. It's about God working through me gloriously to meet the needs and to care for others and to point them to Jesus Christ. I heard a pastor say one time, he, he said, if you don't cross over from what I can get to what I can give, your church will become increasingly unsatisfactory to you. And that's where Peter's saying, hey, we crave spiritual milk so that by it we may grow up in Christ. 
And in growing, we learn to wield the sword of the Spirit as we allow Him to illuminate His truth to us, as we allow Him to illustrate that truth in us and then initiate that truth through us. You know, one of the greatest ways we do that is as a body of Christ, we realize that we're better together, that we, we own our impact uh, to realize that, that I am responsible for my life and no one can do that for me, but I'll tell you what, we're better together. And we do that through the context of small groups. We build relationships. Discipleship is intended to be done together as we grow, as we lock shields together, and as we begin to learn to wield the sword of the Spirit, to have someone that can challenge you and encourage you in your walk and your relationship with Christ. We want to help you do that. And perhaps this morning you've never given your life to Christ and, and you need to learn to armor up. You need to get in the game right? You need to move from being affiliated to activated. We want to help you do that. And, and you can text the number uh, on the screen right now and, and simply uh, say, hey, I want to get involved, right? Uh, if, if you've never come to know Christ right now, uh, I want to invite you to initiate a conversation with us by just texting the word Jesus to that number. And let us begin a, a conversation with you to help you understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're just you're feeling like you're all alone right now and you just need to connect with other people. You need to learn what it is to lock shields together. You need to learn what it is to begin to dive into the Word of God and, and really begin to study the Word. Not just read it, but study it and allow the Spirit to illuminate you, to teach you what He's saying and how to apply it to your life. We do that in the context of small groups. And if you would simply text SG to the number right now. We would love to begin a conversation with you and help you find that place to connect. Are you in? Are you armored up? Are you ready to go? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit that you promised to us that you would teach us, that you would instruct us. And Father, we surrender to that leadership right now. Equip us Father, to be the men and women that you have called us to, to be, that we can bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.